This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. Welcome to the National Press Club's Update One podcast. I'm Gemma Puglisi with the club's broadcast committee. Today is part two of our series, looking at January 6th, the day the Capitol was attacked, the Capitol insurrection. It all began when thousands of Trump supporters came to Washington, D.C. to demand the election be overturned. What began as a demonstration in the morning turned into chaos, mayhem, and tragically the death of five people, including a Capitol Police officer. I am honored to be joined today by an extraordinary photojournalist who was there capturing incredible images, some of which you may have already seen. Today, we talk to Christy Bowe, whose work has been published both nationally and internationally in publications such as the Washington Post, Time, Newsweek, The New York Times, Vanity Fair, George, People Magazine, Rolling Stone, the Columbia Journalism Review, and international publications such as Deutsche Press and La Vie. Bo's work has been featured on MTV and MSNBC and in textbooks published by Wadsworth Publishing and McGraw-Hill. She is currently working on a book, Eyes That Speak, which documents her work in Washington over the past two decades. She has been a member of the White House Press Corps since 1995, covering Presidents Clinton, George W. Bush, and Obama. She is a member of the House and Senate Press Photographers Gallery since 1993. And she is a contributor for the National Press Club Publications Photographers since 1994. Well, Christy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Please share where you were that day. How did it all start? What did you see? And what did you hear? Well, uh, I was at the on the east side of the Capitol, and I had made that decision because in addition to providing uh, pictures for my agencies, I, you know, it was a personal interest of me to be able to wrap up my mm-hmm. Trump chapter mm-hmm. here. So I decided rather than go down to where the rally was, because it was so crowded and the streets were blocked off so much, that I would stay at the Capitol and let the crowds come to me because I knew that mm-hmm. that was what the ultimate plan mm-hmm. was for the day. And so, you know, I was already there and noticed when I first got there that the crowds were a lot of older people, mm-hmm. veterans were kind of pretty laid back. And again, this is the east side of the Capitol and everyone was listening on their cell phones. Everybody had their cell phone out and was listening to Trump's speech. I was, you know, just working the crowd, walking around, taking pictures and talking to people. And uh, then after the speech ended, then I was out on Constitution Avenue and could see thousands of people mm. coming mm. Uh, up Pennsylvania Avenue. And then they made people, diverted them from coming straight up Constitution. They made them go over to the right mm. uh, of the Capitol. And then and that was that. But the police were clearly, and there was not that many mm-hmm. uh, Capitol Hill police. And they were, uh, were seeing the same thing I was photographing. And you could see their body language change where you know, they were tensing up on, uh-oh, this is a lot of people that are coming. And then 
things started picking up, the mood started changing and things started to get more tense. It became a, a totally different environment where I turned around during, during the middle of this as things started heating up and more and more people started coming. I found I'd lost my cell phone. Oh my gosh. And, and that was a, a big crisis. Did um, you find it? Well, that's the thing. I kept calling it and then other people were calling it for me and I was ready to offer rewards. And this wonderful man who was a former Vietnam vet ended up finding my phone. Chances of that happening with the tens of thousands of people were just phenomenal. But there was a tree in the middle of the area that these people had climbed up and had banners and protesters and they were up like 20 feet in the air. And I said, let's meet under them because you can see them from wherever you are. Right. And, and I can as well. And, and it was a beautiful moment in the middle of chaos wow. that this man wouldn't even accept a reward and return my phone. Right after that happened, I turned and I'm walking to continue photographing the crowd mm-hmm. and come up with what people were saying were the Proud Boys. And they were walking right towards me like gunslingers. There was like 10 of them. Mm. And then they saw my pass and started screaming, F the media and uh, started chanting that. So I realized at that point, I needed to take my pass and stick it in my jacket and no longer be you know, um, displaying that I was a member of the media because it was becoming a dangerous situation. Other people started screaming fake news, this and that. And then we went over behind the, the riot fencing and a gentleman came over to me to the woman standing next to me who was older. And he said, you better get out of the way because my people are getting ready to break the fence down. And so I said, oh, really? Like, exactly where? (laughs) So that I could be ready to take take a picture. And it was like 25 yards away. And inside of a couple of minutes, police came from everywhere in riot gear. There was like, I don't know, 10 or 15, 20 uh, police officers came trying to block them from breaking the fence down. And then uh, more and more people were filtering in. And it was kind of like two, uh, our little stream merging with the big river of the crowd that was coming up alongside of the Capitol from the speech. And again, they were more and more agitated. Prior to that, Mm -hmm. President Pence came in Mm -hmm. and his motorcade and people really didn't pay much attention to him coming in mm-hmm. because this was just prior to the vote that mm-hmm. he had come in and, and that was uneventful. But then with the crowd getting ready to break the riot fences down, this crowd did succeed, even though all the police officers were, were trying their best to hold mm-hmm. them back. The fence came down, people broke through, and then like a domino effect, all the riot fences started coming down and everybody was shoving, shoving the fences. And then the uh, our crowd of people coming from behind the riot fence merged with the people coming directly from the rally. And then as one giant group, everybody was heading for the stairs. And then people were chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. And it just was very disturbing what a large mob and they were so out of control and they were, you know, also chanting stop the steal. Right. And USA and, and then the police retreated, just very understaffed. Right. And so you have like 10 of them standing at the bottom of the stairs trying to keep the crowd back. And you've got thousands of people coming at you. I mean, they had to retreat. Then the crowd secured the entire steps and 
that entire part of the Capitol, which was on the House side. How were you able to take these pictures, though, with just the crowds and moving? And we uh, interviewed uh, Sharice May. And in um, that interview, I I mentioned to her that there was, uh, I watched the broadcast news that night, and there was a live shot, and the anchor was hearing from a reporter and uh, the reporter was uh, being heckled by the crowds. And finally, the anchor said, listen, we're going to step away. We're concerned about your safety. How were you able to move around? Because you finally said you took away your credentials so that you would be safe. But how were you able to move around? And, you know, how were you able to take these images? Because it was definitely difficult. There were so many people there. The crowds were incredible. Right. Yeah, it's hard. When, well, when you've been doing this for 25 years, this, you know, is not my first rodeo, uh, right? But this is the most unique and most extreme one uh, I, I've ever covered here because it was it turned into a combat situation mm-hmm. more so on the west side of the Capitol than the east Capitol where I was. Right, right. On the west Capitol is where they broke the windows. I was there yesterday, and on the inside they haven't repaired the windows yet. And so they're still all boarded up and you can see where people actually did come through and broke into some of the offices. They're repairing the doors and things like that. But the west side of the Capitol really is where most of the violence was happening. Mm -hmm. And I was heading to go around that way. And the protesters were setting off tear gas grenades Mm. themselves. Yeah, then later on the police did, but the tear gas was flying by the time I was coming around the corner to go there. And then I said, well, I don't have any protective equipment. I don't have a gas mask. I don't have any of that. So so I, I backed off at that point. From the images that you took, because you are a seasoned pro, you have covered so many events. And thank you for sharing that. You Again, I was going to ask you, how did this relate to some of the other incredible stories you covered? Of some of the images that you uh, took... Can you tell me two of the most that were impactful for you? I would have to say the police trying to hold that riot fencing back in force. You can see them just really giving it all that they had. And these were big guys. Right. And then also when the crowd was surging to the top of the stairs, taking control there, seeing the police flee as the crowd is coming right at them and they're they're running for their safety up to the top. And then, of course, another picture I think that said a lot was all the Trump flags and, and things like that and, um, and the American flags and people waving that just completely having overtaken the steps and the top of the steps and, you know, right outside the doors and they were pounding on the doors and all. This was an all-day event, obviously, and... You shared with us being there, you know, in the morning, capturing all these images. At what point was it um, all clear in a way that you finally left after a I very left long tear day? Gas coming and I was unprotected. At that point, you just you left. You just felt I had to leave. I didn't have the protective gear to be able to to continue shooting, to continue video right, to continue videotaping. And what were your thoughts as you as you ran back home and kind of reflected on the day? that I had seen history that people are gonna be speaking about this for a long time. And it was at that point, because it's very difficult when you're shooting something like this. Mm-hmm. And to answer one of your questions earlier about how, how do you maneuver this, I always 
make it a point to stay on the edge, the outside of the crowd as much as I can. I right. get in it and, and shoot what I can at the time there, but ultimately my strategy is always on the outside so you can move around because when the crowds get to be that big of a, of a mob right. and you're trapped in the middle, you're swept away like with the current, you know, in the, sure. in the ocean. You can't get in or out. You're moving with the crowd or you get trampled. Also, when you're shooting something like this, unless you're listening to your cell phone, which you can't because you're busy focusing on taking the pictures, so you depend on listening to other people's cell phones that are listening to the news live. In this case, people weren't really listening to the news. They were just listening to Trump's rally and his words. And then after that, nothing. So as people on the ground outside, we don't know what's going on. Right. So I had uh, two friends that were very helpful to me, and one of them was at was with me down there that was uh, helping out, which was good. And the other one was home, and he, I would talk to him, communicate with him once I had my cell phone back again, right. to say what is being broadcast because we don't know. And so, like, we have no way of knowing over there that that woman was shot. You could hear things. You didn't know whether it was the flash, flash bang things or whether it was gunshots. You really couldn't tell. So we didn't even know somebody had been shot on the other side. You have mentored, I'm sure, many young journalists and photographers. What do you feel is the most important advice you can give them, particularly after covering this story? I think I would say to really keep your ears open and try to be safe and protect yourself, but be as prepared as you can. I mean, not not necessarily bringing gas masks and all that, although some of my people did, but to, you know, just be mindful of your surroundings at all times when you cover something like this, on who's around you and just pay attention to your gut. If you feel the mood changing, then you need to act appropriately for it's you know it's very instinctive i think if if a journalist was just starting out i'd recommend that they start doing you know very peaceful kind of rallies just to get a sense of what it's like to work with a large crowd to kind of get a a feel for things and then you know hopefully there won't be a lot of things like this around here in the future there's a tremendous amount of national guard there and everything is fenced off very generously. Right, right. Where the National Guard will have ample opportunity to protect. Um, to, to, protect. to protect. Yeah. Christy Bowe, thank you so much for this interview and for your years of extraordinary service and providing images to all of us on the extraordinary history of our country. My thanks also to my colleagues here at the National Press Club for their help with this podcast, Alan Kotak, Mike Hempen, and Mark Hambrick. From all of us at the Press Club, I'm Gemma Puglisi. Thank you for listening. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to updateonepodcast 
That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.